Jason, am I on? All right, good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. I, I got a good night's sleep tonight, so I want to kind of warn you. When, when I sleep, no, I got a good night's sleep last night, and I'm just sort of wound up and excited. I've been thinking about this for weeks now, thinking about joy, thinking about Philippians, thinking about uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is honest. You see it on your bulletin, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. You know, Dale Carnegie and all the positive power of positive thinking people did not make up the idea of positive thinking. It's all biblical. It's all in the Bible. And today we're going to look at the formula that takes us from love to joy to peace. Okay. We all want peace in our lives. Uh, before we get started, let's go ahead and stand. We hadn't done this in a while, just to read this piece of, of, of Scripture together. We've gone over this Wednesday a little bit, but today I want to focus in on these things that Paul tells us to redirect our thoughts to. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the peace, peace will be with you. Lord, I just pray that you would take this scripture, as Pastor Michael so often says, and let it leap, Lord, from this projector into the transcripts of our heart that we might be changed today and changed forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to go back just a little bit because I feel like the Holy Spirit put something on my heart right now. Isn't that cool when you can just change directions because something needs to be said? And in much of my life, when I went through turmoil and trouble, I focused on be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then this promised peace will come. But that promised peace comes with the redirection that's talked about later that we're going to talk about today. I just realized you cannot really pray that in a vacuum. I have. I had a great turmoil I went through back when I was in business. Praise God I'm not in business anymore. With all of those problems that went with it. But I found myself at 2 o'clock in the morning worrying about sales, worrying about partners, worrying about problems, worrying about this, worrying about that. And I began to meditate on this part, be anxious for nothing. I would go, be, and I've taught you all this, anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And then I would say, be anxious for nothing. And that's how I would meditate. I would take each word and I would pray it through the night. It would be 2 in the morning. I'd wake up looking at the ceiling going, oh, my gosh. My life's coming to an end. It always happens at 2 o'clock in the morning when you wake up and you think, oh, my gosh, the earth's going to blow up, and what can I do about it? Because there's nothing you can do about it. But Paul is very, very specific that you do this 
You do this with prayer. You, 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 you rid your body of anxiety by turning to prayer, okay? And by beginning to thank and by making your requests be made known to God and by redirecting your thoughts. Redirecting your thoughts are a great part of this, and that's what we're talking about today. Talking about having a mind that is transformed, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And we're going to get to that scripture in a second. I'm having this miracle where I can now look at my computer and I don't have to sit and preach over there. Isn't that incredible? Thank you, Doreen and Randy, for making that a reality in Amazon uh, to get me a longer cord. This is an amazing book. I told Michael this morning that I think, and I, I don't see this anywhere in Scripture, I think that Paul loved the church in Philippi greater than any other church. He writes this to them, and he's not uh, excoriating them because somebody's sleeping with their stepmother. He's not upset at them because they're uh, screaming out in tongues in the middle of the service and doing weird stuff that he talks about to the Corinthian church. He's not getting their doctrine straight like he did with Romans, and someday we're going to make our way to Romans. It's, it's coming. I've, I've kind of dodged it for six years, but we're coming into our seventh lap now, and it's, it's coming. He doesn't talk about any sort of doctrinal things in this, in this book. He talks about joy unbelievable, joy inexpressible. He talks about heart issues. He talks about the fact that he is now in Rome and he's in chains and he has this great love for them. And remember in chapter two, I told y'all, he said, I love you guys so much. Be unified with one another. Eudodia, I guess that's how you, Eudodia or whatever her name was, and sink to her, get along with one another. And then he talked about unity in the church and he talked about how unity isn't something, Julia, where we say, let's just all get together and get more unified. Unity is born in humility. And one reason at present, and since I've been here, since we have had, for the most part, unity in this church is because we have enough sense, at least at this point, to have some humility about us, where nobody's ever trying to get it all done their own way. That's when things go crazy in a church and when you have a lack of unity. And he says, have this mind that was in Christ Jesus also in you who he said, who even though he was God, and I spent some time with our resident theologian who helped me through this, he said, he didn't think it robbery. That was what the New King James says, but he, he didn't think it was that bad of a thing. Let's put it that way. To set aside certain duty, certain privileges that he had as God. You know, because when people would come against Jesus, he could have just imagined them gone and they'd have been gone, right? because he was God Almighty, but he set those things aside, and it's that kind of humility that he wants us to have, where we just don't, not that we look down on ourselves, but we don't t think too much of ourselves either. We realize that God's work's going to get done whether we participate or not. And this book is all about joy. It's just joy oozes out of the pages. It is, I hate to say it, but kind of my favorite book in the entire Bible. I, it really is. And, and after we did all that prophecy stuff, I thought, I need a beach ball. You know what a beach ball is? Something big that I can hit that's not real hard. <laughs> Wherever I hit it, it's going to go, right? And that's how Philippians is to me. It's been the book of the Bible that I've turned to again and again and again in my life when I've come to the end of myself, end of my rope, end of who I am, end of my resources. And I've said, Lord, just I want to have your joy. 
then I realize his love. And then, and then out of that love, it pours into me and pours out over me, Mike Devonport. And then when you're loving people in a way that's agape way and a chesed way, and those that have been with me now for the year know what those mean, that love that never lets go, that love that doesn't ask for something in return. There's a joy that comes about in, in the heart of a believer that is inexplicable. And if you've never experienced it, oh my goodness, I wish that for you today. It's a joy that comes over you in spite of your circumstances, in spite of weirdness that's happened in your life. You, you have this joy. Amen. I like that amen. That's a heartfelt, joyful amen. And you end up feeling this joy that you just can't explain. And then with that joy comes a peace that's like no other peace, Greg. Uh, is it Patchell? I never can you gave me that little book on shalom. It's a shalom peace that is unlike our word peace, which just means an absence of conflict. It is a overall peace that's all over you. You can't get it off. And you are so at peace with the world and with your neighbor and with yourself and with God that it's just inexplicable. And glory to God. And Paul says it surpasses all the understanding that the world can have. I'm sorry, guys. I am fired up today. Hallelujah. And then on Wednesday night, I talked about how this whole business started in Philippi. Paul gets there. Uh, he goes down to the river because they kick him out of the synagogue. You want to take a look at people getting kicked out of places. Just read Acts. Paul got kicked out of everywhere and got beaten everywhere he went, you know. But he goes to the synagogue. They don't let him in, Jana. He doesn't know what to do. He goes down and he finds a group of ladies like you and Sandy and others down by the river. And he begins to tell them, he thinks, well, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cook the cake you've got in front of me. And he starts telling these women, these Gentile European women about Jesus, this Jesus that's risen from the dead. And Lydia's heart is captivated. The Holy Spirit comes over her. She receives Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes in her. And an explosion happens. And we're all sitting here today as a result of Lydia's conversion. Shout glory. Yeah. That only means that four or five of you are really glad that Lydia got saved that day. Anyway... Jesus talked about this peace. He said, the, he says, these things I have spoken to you, talking to his disciples, that in me you may have shalom. Okay, that's it. It was concept of peace. In the world you will have tribulation. That's a promise. That's what the television evangelists don't tell you. You're going to have tribulations. <clears throat> You're going to have hardships. But he says, but in the world you will have these things, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. Peace that passes all understanding comes through obedience to the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's when we give up and let go and let God take control and say, God, I'm going to believe that you know what's best for me, and I'm going to submit to that. And, Lord, help me in my unbelief, right? Help me, Lord, to see the things the way that you see them. And I gave four tips briefly on Wednesday night about a process that we see inside of the scripture. Number one, he says, he tells in the beginning, Aeodia, and he tells Sinkta, he says, y'all, can't y'all just get along? Resolve controversy. Paul told us that as much as is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. We are not supposed to run around, as Dale Carnegie would say, kicking over bees' nests. Stirring up trouble with people. As best as we can, live at peace with all men. 
I reminded you guys, and I don't talk much about the fact that we're a Baptist church, but we are a Baptist church, and I'm glad that we're a Baptist church. As Texas Baptists, which we are here, that's part of one of our affiliations, we are fond of saying we will agree on fundamentals of the faith, and when we disagree on other non-essential matters, we shall do so agreeably. I should make everyone stand up and pledge to do that. When we don't agree on little details, all right, we do that agreeably. That's not a heaven, it's not a salvific issue. Randy said, I learned a new word this year, salvific. That means having to do with salvation. I like to say, let's don't major on the minors, all right? Let's don't minor on the majors, but let's don't major on the minors either. Secondly, rejoice in the Lord frequently. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice, okay? Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. We do not find our joy ever in circumstances because the circumstances are going to turn cloudy even today. You know, you may be out there wishing for rain. I'm looking at Sister Cassandra with horses and rain's not there and grass is going away. And you say, Lord, I'm going to rejoice in you. Lord, you're going to provide for these animals. You're going to make a way okay, that or Lord, you're going to help me get to the auction barn to sell a few that I've got, something. But anyway, we look to him and we rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord frequently. And this doesn't mean a silly thing. You meet people and, you know, they're in some horrible situation, uh, no gas. Uh, I'm thinking of a person particularly that had a broken foot, no gas. Uh, you know, eye, eyeglasses are broken. said, how you doing, brother? Man, I'm blessed. You know, <laughs> blessed, really? And then he told you all of his woes, you know. We are blessed, uh, but, but sometimes we will just turn a blind eye to things that are complications and problems. But we have to have perspective and try to say, Lord, let me see him in, through your eyes and through your way. We are, we are survivors. We're overcomers. That's what Paul says. You can, you can put in there survivors, all right? That's just country way of saying we're overcomers, right? We're survivors, Country people will survive, especially country people that are Christian people, right? When we rejoice in the Lord, we submit ourselves to his sovereign will for our lives, and then we trust that he'll work things together for our good. Why do we, why do we trust that? Because the Bible says it. Come on, congregation. Romans 8, 28, what have y'all learned from me in six years? All things work together. It doesn't say some things work together for good for those that love God. All things work together, Don Bell, for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, okay? That's why it's not because I'm up here preaching the power of positive thinking or something. Third, restore congeniality. I got it. I'm sorry. My 66-year-old eyes just gave up. Paul is careful to tell us, let your gentleness be known to men. We should have a sweet spirit of reasonable about us. Uh, this last week, uh, a couple of folks in the church se seemed to have a tension with a, another couple, and there was a problem there. And I just, you know, kind of called out to me to come like, you know, what am I supposed to do? Come put out a fire. And I just said, Lord, give me the right spirit and the light, right words. Because you want to sometimes tell people, would you just sit down and shut up? I mean, <laughs> would you just listen for a second? But instead, I went over to see this person, and I just said, I'm just here to hug one of the people I love the most. That just kind of came right out of the Holy Spirit of God. That's all I needed to do was hug somebody. Uh, doesn't mean I don't say, now behave, but you say, you know, God loves you, and so do I. 
we read in Proverbs 15, 1 through 2, this is one that I've heard Linda Howard say, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Guys, let's err on the side of soft answers, right? Sometimes someone will come at you with some harsh words, and it's like, bang, they're going to bang you over the head with it. Let's learn to respond, Michael, not react. That's a word he taught me a few years ago. He said the, usually the way we react is right out of our flesh. But if we'll wait a minute and say, Holy Spirit of God, work in me, then we can have a response that's a, a God-centered kind of a response. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouths of fools pours forth foolishness. Boy, have I heard some foolishness poured forth from the mouth of fools. I think we all have, including our own self, some of us say, but that, that is true. Fourth, reject anxiety. You go, well, that's easy, Pastor Faber. You're telling me just to reject being anxious. Paul's going to tell us how to reject anxiety. Anxiety is when you are afraid you can't control your circumstances. That's what anxiety is. Paul is telling us to redirect our thinking. The Greek word translated anxiety is marimnao, and it means divided. And I say your mind becomes divided between reality and this parade of horribles that your flesh makes up in your mind. Do y'all know what I'm talking about when I say a parade of horribles? It's this long possible list of everything bad that could happen to you, and most of it never even happens anyway. And so much time and so much emotional uh, capital is expended worrying about things that don't ever happen. I know that from my own life. F-E-A-R. What does that spell? Fear. Devin taught me the meaning of fear back when I first met Devin, and I've never forgotten this, Devin. You said, fear is false evidence appearing real. That's what that stands for. I just think that's great. It is false evidence because the Lord says you're an overcomer. The quality, the fruit of our Christian lives is in large part determined by our thought life. And Paul talks about this in the, I guess it's probably the earlier letter to the church in Rome. He says, do not be conformed. Well, I'll do the whole thing. I beseech you, brethren, and I'm going to say sistren also, by the mercies of God. He says, for God's sake is what he's saying. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to the world, Okay. Joey kept saying to me, what does conform mean, Pastor Faber? What is conforming? I said, you know, being formed with. I don't know what that means. Finally, uh, Pastor Larry told him one day, Joey, have you ever seen a jello, uh, a jello mold? Yep. He says, well, you're the jello. Don't be shaped like that mold that looks like the world. He said, oh, man, I get it. I understand. We're not to be conformed to the world. That means take on the world's priorities the world's ideologies, what the world tells us is right and wrong because the world right now is upside down, right? We don't want to listen to the world, but be transformed. He's saying you, believer, can be transformed by a renewal of your mind, and you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. As our minds becomes transformed through the operative power of the Holy Spirit in our spirit and in our mind, we end up being perfect, meaning perfected, meaning that uh, finished work that God wants us to be. Think about these things. This is what Paul says. You should have a picture of a head up there. You do. So how do you think about these things? How do you go through this mind transformation? First off, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. 
You get the Holy Spirit when you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. He is that first inheritance, that deposit that you are promised, okay? And then it's a matter of redirection. You, 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 are, you are presented with a falsehood and you say, Holy Spirit of God, help me to not focus on this falsehood, but rather on the truth. And we're going to go through each of these now, and I'm going to look a little bit about what I think those elements mean. So what is truth? I was thinking, what is truth? Anybody have a, want to throw out a, the word of God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, okay? God's word is truth. We're told that in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. You all should have received this this morning about 630. Uh, it's, it's in your inbox. So God's word is truth. And so the first way to redirect our thought life is to get our minds into the word of God. Amen. Uh, Jesus said, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Talking about us, sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. We are set apart to God when we begin to take God's word. We ingest it and we let it make us different, and we let the Holy Spirit write it into the transcripts of our heart, as Pastor Michael says. And not only that, we then ask the Holy Spirit to empower us to live it out in our lives. So the first directive that we have today to having the kind of peace that God promises you, Don, as part of your inheritance is the Word of God. And we set the Word of God over aside. We don't pick it up. We don't look at it. We might pick it up. I mean, many of us on Wednesday, maybe, or on Sunday, but you have it on your phone. You can listen to God's Word. Hebrews 4.11, the writer of Hebrews tells us, Julia, that the Word of God is powerful. It's, it's alive and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces the division between your soul and your spirit, just as close as something between the bones and the marrow. And not only that, Tyler, it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. That means the things that you're thinking, if you're in the Word, Tyler, it becomes a filtering system. And then that filtering system enables you to realize, hey, this is not a thought that's of God. I need to get this out. See, Lord, remove this thought out of me. It's a filtering system. So that is what's so important about the truth. It gets you focused on the truth and not on a falsehood. Secondly, what is noble? We've all seen this uh, week is, or at least shots of Queen Elizabeth out there. When I think of, I don't know why, but when I think of noble, I think of royalty. Okay, I just, I just do. I know some of these uh, royal people are scallywags and do horrible stuff. But I, I think that old queen has a lot of nobility about her. Queen Elizabeth just seems to me like a class act, whether you are for a monarchy or not. And, and I'm not. I'm an American. Uh, I'm glad we had a revolution. But, but still, things that are noble, I looked it up in the Greek, and it's a word meaning honorable or dignified. That means, hey, guys, think about what you're hearing. What are you reading? What are you watching? You know, I, I, throw, I threw my TV out of my house about 25 years ago. Well, the TV's still there, but I'm not hooked up to anything. Uh, because I just didn't want my mind to be taken over by the world. I just made a conscious decision. I'm just going to move this out of my life. Told Sandy, cut this thing off. We hadn't watched this for nine months. We, she said, we, we hadn't. We used to be hooked up to cable because just everybody else is, right? Or wasn't cable, but satellite. So think about what you're reading and watching and hearing. And when you're into the Word, then you're going to be convicted of things you see. 
If it's stuff from the gutter, get it out of your mind. I've had these weird ads because now I get all my news on. They pop up and it looks like these naked people. I'm going to just tell you. And it has a, a thing over the top that says showing much more than they should. I, I knew that some of y'all will freak out when I talk about this. But I want to give you practical ways that you work. So I found the little X and I clicked that to turn it off. And it says, why do you not want to see this ad? And it gives you selections. And I kept pressing inappropriate, inappropriate, inappropriate. They were all dressed, but they make it look like they're undressed, okay? And then it still came coming up, and I clicked it again, and it said, I've seen this ad too many times. And then it all quit because they didn't care if it was appropriate or not, right? But they figured my mind was saturated with it. So you redirect your mind. You see something like that and just move on to the next thing and don't dwell there. So what is just? Paul tells us redirect to what's just. The word is dikaya, meaning upright, righteous, virtuous, approved of God, the things that are of God, godly things. Redirect your thoughts away from what's low and base and filthy and negative and without merit and what is against the essence of God. God is love. God is perfect righteousness. You know, God is, is justice. He's love. He's eternal life. You dwell on those things. Righteous, just, love, etc. That is what's holy. So this is a choice that's made many, 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 many times a day in our lives. Millions of times in our lifetimes. I mean, many times in our day. But it's a choosing thing where Paul's saying, meditate on these things. If it just happened automatically, because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't have told us to meditate on those things. So you meditate on the things of God. What is pure? Pure means not polluted. And I thought a long time about each of these. It's free from contamination. The word is hagna in, in, uh, or hanya in, uh, in Greek. It's having nothing extra or unnecessary. Jesus in his high priestly prayer prayed saying, sanctify them by, your tr- by the truth. Your word is truth. Back to that. God's word is truth. And, and it's by that truth that God sanctifies us. We are washed through the word. We really are because it gives that operating system a chance to become active in our lives and to be coursing through our emotions and our mind. Then he says things that are of good report. The word in Greek, I looked it up. It's the same word, Dr. House, we get the word euphemism from. Do you all know what a euphemism is? Euphemism is a gentle way to say something that's kind of rough, okay? So like instead of saying, uh, Hey, everybody's been cut from here. They say, we've, we've downsized, you know, or for some of you country folks to understand it better. It's like calling the septic tank, the honey hole or something. It's, it's a euphemism. All right. It's, it's things that are good words that are good reports. So we, we want to use good words. Uh, years ago, I took Dougal Cameron, who's come and spoken to us and a team, a guy from Union Grove named Steve Cochran on a, on a uh, mission trip. We got over there. We worked there. We drilled a couple of wells, uh, Daryl, and everybody got diarrhea. Everybody got Teresa. I mean, I lost about 15 pounds in a week, and we were all kind of thin by the end of the week. Matter of fact, Nick, I think, was with us. Nick, Nick and Alex were with us. Nick was uh, the Garbarino's son, and there we were in a restaurant just trying to put something in our stomachs to get home, and I turned to Dougal, who, who I've never heard say anything negative. I said, so, Dougal, what do you think about El Salvador? He looked at me for a long time. He said, I love living in Washington County. <laughs> so, that's the way we should think, right? 
We don't have to run stuff down. He just said, man, I love living in Washington County. That's a euphemism. Whatever's virtuous, that means excellent. Where is your mind dwelling? Think on excellent things. Let's don't let our minds go to that which is not excellent. Just say, no, Spirit of God, turn my mind, redirect my mind from that thing that is negative, that, that situation that's negative. And, Lord, I want to assume the best in these people, assume the best in that person, dwell on those things. Then he says things that are praiseworthy. So I think of this as stop dwelling on the negative. Paul's saying dwell on the positive. The Bible tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, and I've heard you say this, uh, Scott, the mouth speaks. You know, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, the Bible tells us. The mind is a battlefield. It's a battlefield between where God wants you to be and where the flesh wants to take you. And so we can win that battle by submitting to the Holy Spirit of God. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the big idea, Devin, is that peace is a very, very important part of our inheritance in the Lord. I would say that that's probably the defining thing. You know, I mean, joy is also, love is also, but you got to have the right kind of love you got to experience God's love to then give God's love. You have to kind of know God's love in order to, to give it out. And then you're filled with this joy that's inexplicable. My mother, other than maybe Scott Armstrong, was the most joyful person I've ever met. Don't mean to pick on you, Scott. May, maybe Diana could tell us. when you, Diana could tell you else probably when you're not joyful. But my mom taught me a song when I was in high school, and it was that Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart. Have you ever heard that, Michael? Many of y'all have not heard that. But when the Queen of England is in residence in Windsor Castle, the flag goes up. When she's not in there, guess what? The flag goes down. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of your heart. When the king is in residence there. If the king's not taking up residence and you're not letting him run the show, the flag comes down. Got it? He's still there. The Holy Spirit never left you, but you've decided you want to do it your own way, okay? And uh, I sang it for the folks on Wednesday. It went, joy is a flag flown high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart. Joy is a flag flown high from the castle of my heart when the king is in residence there. So lift it high, lift Sky, let the whole world know, let the whole world know, let the whole world know. Come on, Donna. So lift it high in the sky, let the whole world know that the king is in residence there. Guys, joy is the flag flown high from the castle of our hearts. Let the king take up not only residence, but let him have control. The king's in residence there, all right? Make a plan today to redirect your thoughts on these things. The process will transform your mind. Results in it results in a peace that the world just cannot understand. And I'm glad at 66 years of age, I'm closer more than often I experienced that peace. When I was younger, I didn't. I was so trying. I guess I was conformed to the world. I don't know. But I, things were chaotic. It was turmoil. Once you begin walking in the Spirit and you walk with the Lord at your side, uh, Yielding to him, you're going to have a joy that's inexplicable, all right? Paul goes on and he says, the things which you learned and received and heard in me, 
do these things. So he's telling you, do them. You've learned them. I've taught them to you today, okay, if you didn't know any of this. And then Paul says, now go do this. Nobody can do it for you but you. You're the only one that can do the doing, right? So do this. Paul says, do it. You may see it in me, Tyler. You may have, I may be the Jesus that comes along with skin on. We say that. I'm not Jesus, but you know what I mean. When the Holy Spirit's living and working through people, we learn from them. And, the, and what's the promise? That the God of peace will be with you. Pastor Michael, 